0: Now let's go to the major media. Here are huge corporations selling privileged audiences to other businesses. Well, what picture of the world do you expect to come out of that? Then we begin to add other factors. Uh, if you're, let's say you're the chief diplomatic correspondent of the New York Times, or, you know, pundit uh, on the op-ed page, and you want to really have important, you know, insights into the government. Well, we all know how that's done. You have lunch with the Secretary of State, he tells you the lies that he wants to appear tomorrow. You write them and you say a high source in Washington. My intrepid reporting has discovered that a high source in Washington said so-and-so. Furthermore, this is an open secret. Now, in order to maintain those contacts, you better present the world a certain way or those contacts are gonna be cut off.
1: Broadcasting from Brisbane, Australia, this is The FOMO Show.
2: I'm Matt. And I'm Joe. And this is a fortnightly podcast where we talk about the exciting ideas changing the world today and what might change the world tomorrow.
1: We'll help you stay across what's going on so you don't get the fear of missing out.
2: You can find us at FOMO.show or by searching for The FOMO Show on your platform of choice.
1: Now, everything that we talk about is in the show notes. You can find links to the stuff we're talking about and timestamps to the relevant parts, so you can always skip ahead or find it later.
2: This episode, we're going to be covering a number of topics. We're first going to be talking about some new research
1: out about microplastics in the human body. And We're also going to be covering a few bits about the voting systems that are currently in place or uh, uh, coming up, so that's kind of interesting.
2: There's also some new news out of Tesla uh, and SoftBank, which we'll talk about. We'll also discuss some um, privacy and security tools and also a new, uh, well not new, but a great video conferencing tool uh, that's open source and we've used uh, a couple of times
1: before. And then we're going to be doing a bit of a talk about the FOMO show in 2019, what we're going to be up to and what you can expect. Listen, awesome. let's jump into it.
2: So what have you been up to, mate?
1: I've had internet for a couple of weeks now, and um, I've just got around to buying Star Citizen, um, which is this massive, mm. really ambitious space game. Um, you know, planets, you got spaceships, you can get out of your spaceship, you can get all your mates in your spaceship, you travel around, hyperspeed, all this nonsense. Um, so we talked about that in episode 36, and if you're not excited about it yet, check out episode 36. We got, I think we were just frothing over that, <laughs> over we the were. game. Uh, so I just bought it and now I'm waiting for the remaining 50 gigabytes to download on my internet.
2: Yeah, yeah, you, you, you sent me a message saying, I finally got it. And I said, okay, now you got to wait. And um, you're, even though you've got internet now,
1: it's not... I'll check back in in a couple of weeks. <laughs> anyway, what have you been up to?
2: Um, yeah, I've been preparing for uh, a meetup. I think we talked about that last episode. So I've got a meetup coming up. Uh, I'm speaking at a couple of conferences coming up. You're talking um, a
1: big to. conference that's happening in, in Queensland soon, um, BRISSEC.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, it's it's called BRIZSEC. It is Brisbane's, I guess, cybersecurity conference. It's all about IT security, a lot of technology companies. And I'm going to be talking about the Assistance and Access Bill, which is the new legislation in Australia, which is basically uh, anti-encryption, anti-privacy, uh, anti-human rights, really, and um, mm. Uh, And there's a lot of tech people who are asking a lot of questions about it. So Mm. it'll be a really timely talk. But we discussed it, I think, in episode 34 of the podcast. So if you do want to learn a little bit more about it, uh, especially if you're in the tech sector, you can go back then. um, Or if you're Mm. in Brisbane, come on to the conference.
3: Yeah,
1: I'm so upset. I really wanted to go to that conference. And um, I made the stupid mistake of booking our customer conference exactly the same day. (laughs) So well done me. And we're a cybersecurity firm. Yeah,
2: <laughs> but in fairness, a lot of your customers will not be going to the conference because they rely on you to do all the cybersecurity stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. a fair
1: point. That's why. Yeah, <laughs> oh, man. but it
2: would have been nice of you to be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah missing. Yeah,
1: it. yeah. Bit of disclosure: this podcast is not investment or any other type of advice. Now, in this episode, I don't think we're talking about much to do with cryptocurrencies. We're not saying at all that you should buy any stock shares bonds, guilds, gold, computer games, unless it's Star Citizen, none of it. Just don't don't follow our advice.
2: Yeah, so if we talk about any kind of investment product or anything else that you can purchase, it doesn't mean you should buy it. You're all adults. If you're not... um, Seek an adult. Yeah, seek an adult, preferably your parent. Uh, But yeah... (laughs) Not us, please.
1: We're <laughs> not your parents. We're not your parents. I hope.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, do your research, never invest more than you can afford to lose, and most importantly, avoid the fear of missing out.
1: If you're interested about learning a bit more about blockchain and how it works, um, check out from episode two to episode eight of our podcast. Um-
2: yes, that's our blockchain basic series, and it'll give you some grounding in the fundamentals of the technology And help you understand what on earth we're talking about when we talk about blockchain or cryptocurrency or Bitcoin.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Let's get into the news. So
2: first bit of news, New York Times is planning to experiment with what they're calling blockchain
1: publishing. So yeah, there was a job posting that CoinDesk found on the Times' website. And yeah, they were looking for somebody to help design a blockchain-based proof of concept for news publishers. So yeah, they were looking for a forward-thinking leader, working on that proof of concept for 12 months within their R&D department. Um, And yeah, as soon as CoinDesk posted the article, they deleted the job opening. But (laughs) CoinDesk saved a description of the job, a job description um, for posterity. So yeah, that's kind of interesting.
2: Yeah, so you can go look at what the job description actually was on the CoinDesk article. We'll link it in the
1: show notes. But um Do you reckon they're just going to copy some sort of publishing thing like steam or yeah there are a, a few different
2: well there are a few different projects out there so the Steam's one of them um there's actually a and i'm blanking on the name but there i know there was at least one or two ethereum projects out there which were very much focused on having kind of like a decentralized publishing kind of deal hmm. where you could track uh rights to articles and if someone um uh, like quoted your article, used your article, you'd get a payment back. Like they'd have to pay a certain amount in the token to um, to quote that article, and that it would go to the the original author. So it was kind of a way to, for people to get paid for their and credited for their mm. work, uh, and you know to pay journalists as well. So yeah, there's a couple of things out there. I'm not sure what New York Times is necessarily doing this for uh, i mean we've, we've talked about this before haven't we how you've got these big conglomerates and these big companies who start working on a blockchain platform and a lot of the language around that seems to be we are going to build a an open platform that everyone can participate on but <laughs> it's coming from like the biggest player in the market who no one else trusts um and i think yeah mask was another one that we looked at who are kind of mm-hmm. like the biggest player in the shipping industry and they're building a supposedly blockchain platform Mm. um so yeah i guess look we'll just have to wait for for more info out of it but yeah i'd be really interested to see how this would differentiate itself from something that is more open source and more accessible Mm. um rather than something that's a bit more proprietary
1: but it's cool to see that they're building Mm. yeah proof of concepts and showing some of the other publishers that they work with what can be done, which yeah. is because you need some money to be able to do that. They got to pay for a full salary for that person. So yeah.
2: exactly right. And I'd love to see how they're planning on using it, like implementing the technology. It may be in a way that we've never thought of before. Mm. Um, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I think the the startups have kind of gone out of ICO publishing. Our ICO to raise money for these projects, but it seems like all the big companies are now getting into blockchain in one form mm. or another for their own mm. stuff. So, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see, I guess.
1: Keep an eye out. NYT coin incoming. <laughs> NYT coin. Next piece of news, microplastics have been found in human excrement for the first time.
2: Yeah, so this is a study uh, – well, this is an article at The Guardian, and there's a study that has been done on uh, eight participants from Europe, Japan, and Russia – and they were essentially asked to um, submit their <laughs> submit their excrement for examination, um, but the study has found that uh, tiny particles of plastic may be widespread in the uh, human food chain and essentially in humans. Um, in people's microbiomes. Mm. And the study said that up to nine different plastics were found out of 10 varieties tested for in particles of sizes ranging from 50 to 500 micrometers. And polypropylene and polyethylene, oh, I can't even you pronounce really that. You really just
1: bit, you, you bit more <laughs> oh, than you could I chew on that word. <laughs> <laughs> uh, were
2: well, the plastics
1: most commonly found? Yeah. So yeah, based on that study, they so based on a study of eight people, they projected onto the whole planet and said that more than fifty percent of the world population might have microplastics in their stools. Um, though they yeah, they said that they uh, they do actually need bigger studies to confirm that, but it's a pretty good point because we're wrapping all of our food in plastics mm. there's a lot of plastic I mean they found they've done studies on fish and you know we dump all our plastics into the oceans yeah. and they're finding a lot of these fish are turning up with a lot of those plastics in them because it, when it's on the ocean it's not just a, a plastic bag that's just floating on the surface it's it's starting to drift it like seep into the water and these little particles and the fish eat them and yeah yeah and, and plastics
2: not something we're meant to be consuming yeah and like mm. there's issues with processed foods already because some of them are said to contain plastics like literally within the food but um, but it also seems that these plastic particles from even just the stuff we wrap, the, the food in mm. is starting to make its way into the food chain. And, yeah, mate, I, after reading this article, I went to our fridge and I went to our cupboard and, like, we've been making a more conscious effort this year to not eat processed foods and to eat mm. more natural foods and less uh, sugars and all sorts of stuff. But even still, it was alarming the amount of food in our fridge and in our cupboard that was, you know, tightly wrapped. In plastic, wow. it's unreal. Yeah, you, it just changes the way you look at everything mm. in your fridge, mm.
1: particularly. Mm. So yeah, the studies haven't really been done into the effects of these microplastics on the body, but yeah, it was just an interesting piece. So we thought we'd uh, thought we'd flag it.
2: So next bit of news: a critical flaw has been found in the Swiss internet voting system.
1: This is pretty crazy. Mm. So. Corey Doctorow wrote that it's a microcosm of everything wrong with (laughs) e-voting, security practice and auditing firms. Bit of a background, Swiss Post. So we talked about this last episode, I believe, the – oh, maybe it was a couple of episodes ago. Maybe
2: a couple of episodes ago, yeah, yeah.
1: About, yeah, the Swiss government doing voting. They they did a a bug hunt, Mm. asked people, you know, made made a prize offer
2: some pretty significant money too for this bug hunt. They put up a fair amount of money and basically said, we want you to pen test our security system. Mm-hmm. Now they um, they took down a couple of the tr- more traditional protections around that system. They mm-hmm. said, look, we'll mm-hmm. let you in. So you won't have to try and get in first. Mm-hmm. But once, so we'll let you in and we want you to test everything about the system and check for any vulnerabilities. Mm. And I think there were rewards up to 500000 Worth or something. It was something crazy. Yes. There was like some big rewards mm. put up.
1: But yeah, so they, they contracted this firm to build a system, consulted with outside security experts, and even got KPMG, uh, the massive consulting firm, to audit the system. Yeah, then they announced this program. And, and yeah, so someone found that um, because Swiss Post were actually giving them the source code but made them sign a non-disclosure agreement not to share the source code. Mm. They actually leaked the source code online. And then an international team um, of some of the world's top security experts actually analyzed the code, and they found a massive bug that would allow a single untrusted party at Swiss Post to undetectably alter the election results. Now, that's
2: that's big, because <laughs> this... this- it's meant to be a democratic vote. It's meant to be the whole sell with e-voting is that it's more secure. Um, it, it it allows for no manipulation whatsoever. The results are the results. And for them to find that one single person could effectively skew the entire vote however they want and not be detectable is a massive deal, mm. particularly when all these big companies have gone through this um, this supposedly gone through this program with a fine-tooth comb and ordered it for all this kind of stuff.
1: Mm. And said it's A-OK. Now, there was a, a – Matthew Green told Motherboard that he didn't think it was deliberate. But he also said, look, if I set out to design a backdoor that allowed someone to compromise the election, it would look exactly like this.
2: Yeah, yeah, which is um, – I mean, you can read into that whatever you want. Mm. Swiss um, Post
1: reaction was pretty good as well. Mm. Yeah, they, they said, you know, it's not a big deal because uh, – swiss post employees wouldn't steal an election you consider <laughs> you can trust us you can trust us
2: yeah, yeah never but, but and and um so the new south wales government here in australia used the same company and are using the same system and wow. similar questions were put to them to essentially mm. say mm. well these vulnerabilities have been discovered um shouldn't we consider fixing them or using a different system and they basically said the same thing they said well, well no, nah, well, the, the vulnerabilities don't really matter because we we'll have, be conducting
1: it. Yeah, and they're like, we have these air-gapped computers, so yeah. you would need to be able to access a computer that only we can control. Yeah. <laughs> um, but don't worry. And it's a way for everyone
2: else. Yeah. And, like, secured so no one else can touch it. Yeah. And it's in a it's a secret location.
1: But they said, don't worry. We're this company, this uh, uh, Barcelona-based company, mm. um, they've issued an update, so we'll install that. So you can... You can trust that they've updated to the latest version.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And and so there was, entirely apart from this, well, not entirely apart, but there was a a big Twitter thread from one of the security experts that did a lot of work on this stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was really interesting not only watching what they said about the process itself because they said, we didn't actually participate in the bug bounty because of the terms. They were too onerous and they essentially forced us to go against what we stand for. Mm -hmm. Uh, But once the code got leaked, obviously, we had a look at it. And... Um, and she said that it, it, it boggles her mind that these governments aren't trying to open source this a lot more. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting these other security experts to, uh, to pen test this and review this and make it essentially bulletproof. You know, and mm-hmm. what we've learned mm-hmm. from open sourcing things is that if you really want to make something really secure, you share the code with everyone and yep. you get them to, you, you still put bounties up because otherwise people will hang on to it. And that mm-hmm. was yeah. one of the, biggest concerns about this was that if they opened the code up to everyone, well, what was to, what was to say that someone was actually going to disclose the vulnerability? Mm. Um, it could make more sense for them to um, to hold on to it mm. and exploit it later on. But, uh, yeah, it boggles my mind that these governments and these companies aren't getting the, the these pen testers that are consistently commenting on this stuff to work for them as well, to do some consulting for them. Mm. They seem to just pick the big firms and consider that that's that's enough. I mean, credit to Swiss Post. Like, Mm. at least they went out and they did do some pen testing, which is more than, and you know, did do a bounty and offered money and uh, somewhat open sourced it. But, uh, yeah, I think we've still got a long way to go.
1: And... I guess coming in with a bit of a solution, DARPA. So they're usually the um, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. I think in the, in America, they are looking to build an open source voting machine. Um, so yeah, to prevent us having to take a back step, uh, futurism say. Um, the, the, yeah, this this firm is working with a cybersecurity firm to develop open source voting machine technology they would let people verify that their votes were tallied correctly. Now, they're saying the goal isn't to sell machines, but to develop tech that would beef up existing voting machine vendors' security. So, yeah, to make sure any new voting machines built with their software is better than today's, the plan is is to invite experts uh, from computer scientists and academics to hackers to test it out and search for vulnerabilities.
2: Yeah, so one way that the new system might improve upon others is by printing out a sheet, showing a voter's selection so they can – look it over before feeding it into a separate machine that'll actually record the vote. And uh, Joe Kinneary, who's the principal scientist on this, said that receipt doesn't permit you to prove anything about how you voted but does permit you to prove that the system accurately captured your intent and your vote is in the final tally. Mm-hmm.
1: Just back on this Swiss Post thing, you, you they made this voting system and then open source this, well, not open source, they shared the code, got some people to hack it and said, hack this system. Then they found this massive flaw.
2: Yeah, and and then they were like, they got all defensive. That's what what boggled my mind. Like these guys found this flaw. And the the thing about the flaw too was that it wasn't just any security vulnerability. It was something that fundamentally... Uh, undermine the whole intent of building this voting system. The whole intent of building this voting system was to have a voting system that was above reproach. So mm-hmm, you could mm-hmm. you could cryptographically and technically prove that uh, not only had people voted and cast their votes in a certain way, and that's tied to some form of identity, but that no one, no one, like not any party had influenced that vote. And they spent a whole bunch of money on this. Like it, it's not a cheap endeavor. Like this stuff cost a lot of money, mm. and was built. There was no reason to do it other than for this. <laughs> yeah, you know, like they could have kept the current voting systems if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. But one of the fundamental reasons they did this was to achieve those goals. And so then when people came out and said, "Well, actually, we found a flaw that fundamentally undermines." The purpose of this voting system, and it is what we would call like a, a fatal or critical flaw. Essentially, mm-hmm. it's something that has to be patched and has to be fixed for the software to do what it says on the tin. Um, the Swiss government, the consulting companies, the New South Wales government, all got really defensive, and, and instead of saying, "Okay, we'll fix it," they said, "Well, uh, well, it's not that bad because you know it only requires you to trust us." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that's just completely missing the point Mm. because the whole point of it was so we didn't have to trust Mm. the the, the government and the the employees because they were who we were building this system um, for, you know, to prevent against Mm. someone Mm. in a back room somewhere fudging some numbers, changing some numbers, or a corrupt government, you know, saying that, yes, we had a democratic vote, but actually fudging the numbers behind the scenes. It's just...
1: It's a good PR lesson, I guess. Yeah. You know, if you ask people to tell you your problems, and they tell you your problems, say thank you. Exactly. He's telling us our problems, we're going to work very hard to resolve them. And I appreciate you for taking the time to tell me my problems. Exactly. Well, I mean, what a, <laughs> what a
2: slap in the face! Like these guys worked probably, you know, day and night to get this stuff out mm. as quick as they could when the when the code broke, and then released it for free. Came out actually saying that it would be unethical for us to accept payment for it. Uh, And instead of saying, you are awesome. Like, thank you so much, guys. We really appreciate what you're doing. Do you want to come and look at some other code? It's Mm. like, no. (laughs) Screw you. (laughs) Don't knock over our sandcastle. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. This next bit of news, there is a really cool new Kickstarter for an insect-inspired wing drone.
1: Yeah, it's called Metafly. Metafly.
2: So a French inventor took to Kickstarter last week to raise funds for an insect-inspired wing drone called Metafly. And uh, at the time of recording, there are currently 2,800-ish backers and they've already raised uh, for over 400000 Australian dollars and the goal was only about 47000 Australian dollars. So they've already raised almost 10 times the amount that was required to get the prototype of this up
1: so this drone is pretty cool so the metafly flaps its wings vigorously creating a differential between draft and lift um which is yeah efficient flight mechanic used by flying animals and thanks to this efficiency the drone is lightweight and maneuverable if at times a bit erratic in flight
2: so the metafly can fly up to eight minutes on a 12 minute charge and reach speeds of up to 11 miles per hour uh which is 16 or 17 kilometers per hour for the rest of the world um the remote also has a wireless range of around about 320
1: feet it's sort of you can see the video on their kickstarter page which we'll link to and it sort of flies a bit like a butterfly from what you can see there now whether they've i haven't read too much into it whether they've made a prototype thus far um or and they're looking to bring it to market or what they're looking to do next but yeah, it looks pretty crazy. Um, you wouldn't want to film footage from this thing because it is quite – it's like when you watch a butterfly fly around. It's, it's not particularly focused. Um, yeah, it looks kind of a bit like a hummingbird in a way. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, check out the link, the Metafly.
2: So next bit of news, Elon Musk has unveiled a new Tesla for the masses called the Model Y SUV.
1: Yeah. So this follows the Model S, the Model Three, and the Model X, which um, many commentators have f- helpfully pointed out. This, with the addition of the Y, it now spells sexy.
2: Hmm. As opposed to without the Y, which.
1: Well, this which is a PG thirteen. Yeah. So. Yeah. We don't. no, nah, Not here. It's not on the phone we show.
0: Welcome to the the Tesla Design Studio. I hope you guys all have a really great time tonight. So in terms of where we are today, uh, we've uh, made, I think. 550,000 vehicles. 12 months from now, we will have made about a million vehicles. It's, it's pretty wild to think that 11 years ago today, we had made literally one car, um, and a year from now, we will have made a million. There's a missing car. They're <laughs> out the Model Y. Uh, like the 3, uh, it, it, it will be extremely safe. So that the, you may know the, the Model 3 uh, has the uh, the lowest probability of injury of any car ever tested by the uh, US government. Um, the Model Y, we expect, will have a, a similar result. Uh, five stars in every, ca- every, every category. With the battery pack alone, low in the floor, it's going to have a very low center of gravity. So this will... it, 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 it has the, the functionality of, a, of an SUV, but will, it will ride like a sports car. So this thing will be really tight in corners. Uh, and we expect it will be the, the, the safest mid uh, mid-sized SUV in the world by far it's also going to be have incredible performance, so we expect to have a, a three and a half seconds zero to sixty um, yeah it's good. <laughs> and in terms of range, fair miles yeah. so it 's going to have a panoramic gra- glass roof it like really feels like just like the model three if you're in the car, it just feels like you're you can see the sky seat, seat seven. 66 cubic feet. Um, obviously, autopilot and you know all that. Uh, and uh, uh, as I've said publicly, we expect to be feature complete with uh, with self-driving sometime later this year. Um, and then, uh, as as we prove out the safety with uh, yeah, billions of miles and kilometers, uh, uh, we will, uh, from our standpoint, feel it's like safe enough to not pay attention. And then get the regulatory approval sometime thereafter. Um, but the, the cool thing is feature complete. Like it, it'll be able to do basically anything um, uh, by the end of this year. Um, just, with soft, just with software upgrades, which is pretty cool. The, 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 the basically long range one, we expect to be about $47,000. And then sometime in 2021, we'll have the, the sort of standard version, which will be have a $39,000 price point. Uh, now the seven seats are optional. So there you have the sexy presentation. Thank you all for coming. Uh, um, we are bringing sexy back quite literally. All right. Thank you. I found our family
2: car. So this is all we'll drive too. Mm. Dual motor. So the Verge has said that this is a Tesla Model Y, the electric car maker's new compact SUV due out in 2020. It's got a range of 300 miles, seating for seven. It's capable of sprinting from zero to 60 miles per hour in three and a half seconds. And uh, it's the company's second attempt at a
1: mass market electric vehicle. Making vehicles in bulk is not easy. Yeah, and they've done a good job of it because I think from what I remember with the Model X, which is the other SUV sort of thing that they've made previously, they had this like gull wing doors where the it's sort of like a bird, the wing, the the yeah, the doors sort of open directly upwards. Mm. But that actually turned out to be really tricky on the manufacturing side of things, if I recall correctly. Um, really cool doors though. I'm yeah, yeah fantastic, it looks, it looks awesome.
2: Yeah. Tesla are moving now from kind of a novelty-only mm-hmm. enthusiast brand to more of a commercial brand mm. uh, where a lot more people are wanting them. They're moving, mm-hmm. trying to get closer, I guess, towards a price point where more people can access using the cars as well because they, they have really just been luxury cars up mm-hmm. until this point. Mm-hmm. And they've opened that new factory in China. And China's appetite for electric cars seems to be very, very large, mm-hmm. especially because the government are pushing for electric cars so hard. And yeah, look, it makes sense. Like other governments as well are starting to really incentivize use of electric cars. So it makes sense that Tesla will now start looking at building more mass market type of cars mm. that are also mm. electric cars. <laughs> Next bit of news SoftBank and Toyota could invest $1 billion in Uber's self-driving unit.
1: So, yeah, there was a group of investors um, led by SoftBank Corporation Group and, yeah, and Toyota. They're looking to invest quite a lot of money into Uber Technologies' self-driving vehicle unit. So, that could value the self-driving unit at between 5 and $10 billion, which is, according to a couple of people, familiar with the talks.
2: Yeah, the investment would... Provide a, a probably a much-needed cash injection for Uber's self-driving program because it's losing a lot of money. Yeah. Um, they've lost, I think, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars without generating any revenue at all mm. at this point.
1: And it could really underscore Uber's value as not just a ride-hailing firm, but also, you know, the data that you're getting out from all of these riders. Yeah. So, some interesting information that's in there. That could be useful. And they're also there to list, aren't they? Yeah, they're going for, what, $100 billion in value at least in an yeah. IPO? Yeah. Um, But yeah, if you didn't know about SoftBank Group before, you've probably heard the name. Um, They've got a market cap of over $100 US dollars. They're a Japanese multinational conglomerate. Um, But they they own shares in Boston Dynamics, which make the freakily scary robots. Sprint, the mobile network provider in the US, they own about 85% of that. Is that what they do? Mobile network provider? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Um, mobile network provider. Yep. Apple, uh, sorry, no, Apple. Alibaba, they own 30% of. Yahoo Japan, they own half of. Um, Slack, they own 5% of. And WeWork, they own 22% of. And Uber, they own 15% of.
2: Yeah, yeah. They've got fingers in many, many pies. You hear people sometimes talk about, oh, we've got SoftBank interested. And that's like a huge deal for a startup to have SoftBank interested. Yikes. But yeah, very, very deep pockets.
1: This is an interesting piece that, um, thanks to long-time listener Hannah for sharing this one. Um, it came out of lawyersweekly.com.au, um, where they were talking about, you remember, uh, I think it was a couple of years back, there was a one of these self-driving Ubers that was going undergoing trial. There was a human um, assistant in the car who was sort of sitting there to monitor what was going on. And this car, it was dark, it was late at night, I think, mm. um, and the self-driving car ran somebody over mm. So this raised the question of liability.
2: Yeah, and so there's been a determination out of the states um, and they essentially said that the, the um, Uber would, wouldn't face any criminal liability before the death of the pedestrian hit by the self-driving vehicle in Arizona,
1: yeah, there was an interesting point that was made by the county attorney, which um, which was to do with yeah, saying there was no criminal liability for Uber. Sheila Polk, who was a yeah county attorney, um, said, you know, I know that when I drive a car, I'm not a brilliant driver, and we all get distracted, so we accept a level of risk. Around these things. However, when it comes to AI or technology, we expect a higher standard.
2: Yeah, and, th- and there was an issue with this and and uh, KPMG's technology partner, Kate Marshall raised this recently with Lawyers Weekly uh, and when she was asked about this, she, kind of, she said, well, for example, if something goes wrong with surgery, you know that you can sue the surgeon mm-hmm. because you've had a person doing the surgery, mm-hmm. but a robot runs over someone, <laughs> how do you sue the robot? How do you sue the mm-hmm. code that mm-hmm. was governing that uh, that vehicle and controlling mm. that vehicle. And, mm. you know, is, is, it, is it the coder you sue? Is it the producer of the application or the system? Is it the organisation behind it? Who's mm. actually liable mm. for mm. this, this you know, accident? Like yeah. a, what's happened? That's, that's That's a big problem. Generally, you would go to the place with the highest amount of money, which would be Uber. You'd say, well, you developed the software, mm-hmm. even if it was an individual coder that was responsible for it, you developed the software. And, yeah, that's okay when you are, uh, when you are talking about civil liability. So civil yeah. liability is um, liability between one person and another. So yeah. that's what we generally talk about when we're saying we're going to sue you. Mm-hmm. It's You've done something wrong to me. Uh, I think you owe me a certain amount of money or you owe me something else right. to, to repay my debt. Um and that really used to be the only form of liability there was. Even if you were, let's say you, you killed someone back in the day, it would be more about, okay, how do we redress what you've done? You may be forced to, for example, pay for the income of that family for the rest of your life. Wow. Or something, that, that would, and the village might decide that. They'd say, that's what you should do. Um, and it was more about making right with the, the person that was wrong. Mm-hmm. But we now in our modern society have this new concept called, relatively new concept called criminal law, which is you're not only liable to the individual, you're also liable to the state. Yikes. And that's, that's you know, could land you in jail, for example. Right, and right, And that's right. where you have, a lot of the time you'll have like criminal liability and civil liability. Civil's more about money between people. The, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. police won't really get involved in that. But what the police and the prosecution will get involved in is the criminal stuff. And that's generally for murder and rape and manslaughter and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's the issue with this is it's, well, if we are going to go down the murder route or the manslaughter route, who do we then front up before the judge on the day and say, "This person needs to go to jail?" because mm. you're not going to you can't take the computer that was running the car and put it in front of the judge and say, "Judge, we need to put this computer in jail." Mm. Um, but is it really fair then to also to to, for example, take the coder out of his job, who may have only been working on a small, part of the program and put him in front of the judge not really i don't really think that's fair particularly because it's such a big program like how do you even mm. do you take the whole coding team and put them in front of the judge and put them all in jail um that's not really feasible and then the company Well, you can't yes you can seek what's called pecuniary penalties mm-hmm. on a company and you can say to the, and you can even deregister a company you can say you guys have done that much wrong that we are no longer going to allow you to operate as a company. But what you can't do is put a company in jail. Mm.
0: Uh,
2: and that's the big issue here. It's, it's this new area of law we're in now with these autonomous vehicles and AIs and stuff. It's mm-hmm. like, well, who is criminally liable for this stuff? Like if an, if an autonomous car kills someone, who has to front the judge and be charged with manslaughter for that? That's a really difficult one. Yeah, it's a really interesting problem and I don't know how we're going to solve it as we move more and more towards an AI future, I guess.
1: We'll see some test cases, that's for sure. Yeah. Wherever you're joining us from, it's a pleasure having you here.
2: Why not drop into our Telegram channel and say hello?
1: FOMO.show slash Telegram.
2: So on this week's privacy and security segment, we wanted to talk about a couple of ways in which you can send files securely to other
1: people. So the first one is called private storage.io. Now it's still in pretty closed maybe alpha beta um it's it's a, a conglomeration of private internet access whose vpn services i use and Least authority which is a, a privacy focused company and they're building this cloud storage solution that utilizes client-side encryption so it encrypts the files on your device before it puts them up online you can almost like how in google drive or uh, one drive or dropbox you can synchronize folders um so you can sync your files with the cloud and then other devices I and mean, it works natively within uh, mac os linux and windows and i'm sure there's probably mobile phone apps that are on the way and yeah it's quite a an interesting sort of system but that's something they've that they've announced which i thought was pretty cool so mm. yeah it's being beta tested at the moment um only to private internet access customers kind of an interesting idea and on those lines, we received a link from Carsim, uh, who is a long-time listener of the FOMO show. He recommended uh, a link, send.firefox.com.
2: Yes, this is called Firefox Send, and it's been in – it's been out for about two or three years now, but not in – I guess, final form. People have been able to test it. They've been able to use it and they've been able to trial it out. But Firefox has finally said it's ready for prime time and go to send.firefox.com and you've got a drag and drop box there. You can uh, upload files to this and what it will do is it will uh, will encrypt it on your end Mm -hmm. and it will also send a... uh, You can essentially decrypt it then on the other end. But as it transits through the internet, Uh, between, you know, from one person to another or you send that link. There's no way for anyone to decrypt that file without the decryption key. So it's a really simple way to send essentially end-to-end encrypted files to someone as opposed to doing it in a Dropbox or a OneDrive or Google Drive where that's not encrypted and where employees of Google, Dropbox or uh, OneDrive can essentially view it whenever they want. They can go right into your cloud storage and they can see everything that's in there. Mm. So for me as a, as a lawyer, particularly uh, having a secure service where I can send a file to someone and know that it's uh, you know not 100% protected, but protected from 99% of the attack vectors, I think you could say um that's a that's a big one and it's really easy so i've I've been really impressed with it so far
1: yeah yeah it looks really cool really simple just drop it in send it to somebody clever stuff so we are in the fomo studios and we have this firefox send website open we're going to try uh sending a file which file can I send? Can okay. I? Is so it like a um, text file here? Yeah, ah, these fonts, Segoe UI. Go. UI. Let's send. Actually, that. well, it's not Segoe UI. It's another font that isn't copyrighted by Microsoft.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah,
1: we're sending. We're dropping in a zip file. Um, you can set an expiry date, so you can say, oh, you can expire after one download." So you can say only one person can download this, or you can say only. A hundred people can download it. So that's pretty cool. Or you can say it expires after seven days. So five minutes, one hour, one day, seven days.
2: Let's set it to one hour.
1: One hour. Cool. Uh, You can protect it with a password. So I could put um, fonts. All right. I'm just going to upload that file. Cool. Look at that. Gives you you a link, copy link.
2: Wow. So do you want to send the link to me in our... Uh, send it over telegram or, or, or slack done cool okay joe's just sent the link i'm gonna open it up so i click on the link now it just pops up for me in a little in a little window and it wants the password so i'm going to type in fonts unlock and there it is download and that's end to end encrypted and now if i try and visit that link again so let's just test if the link's expired download that i'm going to visit that link in a private window so it doesn't know that I'm using the same browser. Link is expired. There wow. you go. Already expired. Nice. So you know One that after that first then. download, that's it.
1: That's really cool.
2: So yeah, Firefox send. Definitely, uh, definitely check it mm. out. We have live tested it and it has worked. Yeah. So no more sending your files over Dropbox.
1: Job done. So cool tool of the week is Wire. What is WIRE?
2: Yeah, so WIRE is an open source, peer-to-peer encrypted video conferencing app and uh, it's free for personal use and I've actually been using it with uh, a few clients recently. Wow. So, a few, few of my legal clients. I um, For the longest time, I've personally been with Skype and mm-hmm. we've used Skype for podcast interviews. I've also used Skype within some business settings and all sorts of different things and it's just frustrating. A lot of the time it it doesn't pick up connections very well. It's Mm -hmm. slow. It's laggy. It doesn't even pick up my webcam half the time when I want it to. So I got frustrated and I started looking. And I first used Zoom and Zoom was was pretty good. I was was quite happy with Zoom. Uh, But the thing about Zoom is it's proprietary software. Um, It's, you know, kind of a freemium kind of deal. Um, And it's not encrypted. So I thought... Well, what else is out there? And I'd heard another podcast that used Wire and checked out Wire and it was really easy to install and really easy to get other people on and, yeah, it's, it's, it worked really well. I've talked to a few different people using it. It's peer-to-peer, so it's, it's really only just routing your connection to the other person's. Wow. And it's been a lot uh, clearer than Skype, which has been really nice. So, yeah, and, and you know, it's, 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 it, we could have done this in the privacy and security segment as well uh, because it is, yeah, peer-to-peer encrypted, open source, all the things we love. Uh, you don't have to worry about the NSA or the CIA or, you know, GCHQ or whoever it is uh, snooping on your calls or at least not as much. You don't mm. have to worry as much mm-hmm. as something like Skype mm. or Zoom. So if you're looking for um, you know, another video app to try, something to something different to do video conferencing on that's not proprietary, that's free, open source, uh, yeah, definitely give it a look. It, it, there are prices on the website if you go on there, uh, but that's for the professional stuff. So if you're just using it for personal stuff, then uh, yeah, definitely
1: check it out. Slightly bit of a segue with that, but from what you're saying there about, you know, it's, e- it's, it's really easy to get people onto easy to use and it just works. That's actually such a good point for a lot of these blockchain products, tech products, any real products that people use. It's such a good point. It just needs to be easy to set up, easy to use, easy to explain, and it just works.
2: Yeah, and unless you're doing something completely new, it's a really hard ask to ask people to swap. It's why IRC, for example, is still around. IRC is? IRC, uh, so Internet Relay Chat, I think it is. It was like what they used way back in the early days of the internet to chat to each other.
1: (laughs) So 25 years ago. (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah. (laughs) But people are still using IRC chats now for a lot of the, particularly the open source uh, Mm. projects and stuff like that. Because it does work. It's just not, it doesn't have all the amenities we have on Telegram and everything else. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's the thing. Like, Unless there's a compelling reason to change, most people won't. Like if, mm. if all they need is to chat to each other and IRC has been working fine and then to ask them to go to something else is quite a big ask and it's the same thing with mm. Skype and it's the same thing with a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, so that's why, yeah, if, if you're a new company, you really need to not be saying um, you need to come onto our closed-off ecosystem and you know, only use our product, otherwise it won't work. It's about trying to find as many ways to work in as possible. Yeah. That's mm. why Riot was good. Like a, mm. the right which we covered last time is good because you can bridge things. And like people on IRC, you can join IRC rooms from Riot. Wow. So Riot can do all the cool new stuff, but yeah. it can also integrate in with 25-year-old IRC technology and you can. it's a fully-fledged IRC client within it. Um, Dope. So they're taking the view of let's uh, amalgamate in with as many things as possible, which is really cool. Cool. Yeah. But you're right, man. UX. UX is such a big deal. So we just wanted to take some time to chat about, I guess, our plans for the year and where yeah, we're at and what yeah. we want to do. Wanting, like just just be completely open with our,
1: our listeners. Matt and I love doing the podcast. It's been a labour of love for almost two years. So we're coming up to two years and it's going to yeah, be very soon when we're going to be like – spent and we've it's been so much fun. I mean when we – listen, I went back the other week and I listened to some of the early episodes – and at the time, I thought, "Oh, this sounds all right." And now I'm listening to the newer ones, and where we've come to with editing quality, being yep. able to like yeah, the the way it sounds now. It's you know, it can still be a lot better. It can be more professional. There's loads of things that we want to do with it. Yeah. But from where we've come, it, we've got we've gone such a long way with it.
2: Yeah. If you if you want to laugh, go back and listen to episode one. <laughs> you all know, <listen> to it? <laughs> There's some funny stories behind. Those early days. But I think as well, we've been very busy this mm, year too. Yeah. Like this year's been, I think, a, a big year for both of us professionally. Mm. Um, it just meant that we haven't had as much time to dedicate to the show as we probably wanted to. And th- the fact is too, like recording the show is probably the quickest part of our entire mm, <laughs> podcast mm. workflow. You know, yeah. there's, there's, there's a lot of time that goes into uh preparing for the show, then editing the show afterwards, getting it all ready to publish, publishing mm, it out, mm-hmm. managing social. And by the
1: time it gets published, you almost run out of the energy to share it with anyone. <laughs> so you just like, it's live. And then, yeah, I haven't really sort of like shared it and mentioned a lot of the people that we've mentioned in shows and stuff. So... There's a lot that we're going to be that we want to do with it. I mean, yeah. you can if you if you've listened for uh, over the over the last couple of years. I mean, thank you so much for joining us. Love yeah. having you here, but yeah, you're here. We've got so many plans, and. Um, not as much time to put them into fruition. So, we one of the things we wanted to do this year is, as well as growing the show, and we'll come on to that in a couple of minutes. What we're going to start doing more of is um, not sort of shame, not shamelessly promoting anything, but the mm. products that we love and that we use. So, whether yeah. it's malware bytes, mm. which is great software for stopping malware on your computers, yeah. you know, the one that I use and trust. But um, you know, whether it's products like that, or if we mention books and things like that, we're going to start you know how we link resources in the Mm. show notes. We're going to keep doing that like we always have, but we're probably going to put in, you know, a link to maybe the book on Amazon so that if you buy the book, having followed our link and our recommendation, we'd get a small little kickback for that. Yeah. And the reason is because we want to invest in a few different things. There's one of the things that we want to be investing more in.
2: Yes. Obviously the uh, tooling, first of all. So at the moment we are running quite a simplistic studio setup here. Um, Uh, and it's kind of getting to the point where we really need to be considering upgrading our studio setup Mm -hmm. we would love to uh, upgrade that studio setup so we'll probably still have to put in a fair
1: bit of our own money to do it Mm -hmm. but uh what we want to do is we want to be buying a mixer because right now we can only plug in two microphones into this old, um, slowly dying MacBook Air. <laughs> so we can't actually have three people in a room at once and do a, an interview. So you'll yeah. find that if we're doing an interview with somebody, it's one or the other of us that's doing the interview. We'd love to just be able to... Um, we're going to invest in you know getting another microphone, getting a mixer so we can have three microphones recording into our software at once. Yep. Um, editing takes quite a lot of time each week and because both of us hold down jobs and there's more... Well, things things that are happening on the way for each of us this year we're going to start looking to outsource some um, editing so i know i think it's crypto clothesline which is another australian podcast they're paying somebody to do the edit every cut every week or every yeah, two weeks every week yeah um but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna start looking at bringing somebody on to to, to relieve some of the some of the pressure there. Yeah.
2: And the beauty of that is it, it will give us more time, particularly if the if if we have the funds to cover that stuff, mm. and the show becomes a little bit more self funding, it will give us the time to then consider doing some more interviews, mm-hmm. um, because interviews is one thing that we've been wanting to do for ages. But editing takes us so long, mm. and all the other stuff we do that we could potentially push off somewhere else or the technology or the tools we get might cut down on the time it takes us to do it that'll take so much time that by the time we come around to thinking Mm. of going through the whole process of setting interviews up
1: um, and then going back and forth and getting everything ready Mm. it's
2: just it's a little bit of a
1: bridge too far at
2: the moment. Yeah.
1: So any anything that we are going to raise this year is just going straight back into the podcast. I yep. mean, anything that doesn't go into, you know, buying equipment or paying off paying for hosting or paying for someone to help edit it. Yeah it's all going to actually go into advertising and stuff to help actually get more people listening to the podcast. So that's where all of the income that we get is going to go. And I hope we're going to share, like, more of that as we go. Yeah. Um, so we're going to have a page that's going to come along to the website. It's probably going to be FOMO.show slash support. Um, so it's going to show a bunch of the things that you can do, whether it's buying a FOMO T-shirt, whether it's, you know, picking up a VPN provider that is one of the ones that we use. And we'll recommend a bunch of other ones that we're not making money from. but yeah. Um, and we're going to share all the tools that we use and things like that. And, yeah, just generally useful stuff. But, yeah, that's that's the plan. And we're going to, you know, hopefully be as transparent as we can, yep. show you what our costs are for running the podcast and as it grows and, and what we're
2: doing. And that's kind of why we wanted to do this. Uh, so most not-for-profits and foundations, they all have like an AGM where they – everyone comes together and talks about the finances and talks about what's going with the show and we know a lot of you who listen have been with us for a long time
1: and we're going to call it the fam the fomo annual meeting fomo annual meeting There we terrible. go. terrible yeah <laughs> and look to be honest, like next
2: next year's fam FOMO, I mean, fomo annual meeting uh we'll think of a better name for that Ridiculous. um We'd love to have a live, like that'd be yeah. something that we would love to do live and, and we're looking at the option of doing video. We've yes. wanted to do video for a long time, yes. but again, uh, it's time, it's cost. It's a lot easy for us to justify shelling out for some of this equipment and also shelling out for someone to edit the videos mm. on the other end mm. and make them all look nice and put them up on YouTube. Yeah. Mm. Um, if we've got the funds sitting there in the fomo kitty essentially mm-hmm. to to fund that to fund mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and and we're also considering maybe having some kind of i don't know patreon yeah, kind of deal like or patreon something um, maybe not with patreon because there's been some some questionable stuff mm-hmm. gone on with them recently but uh, we're open to suggestions. You know, mm, we we yeah. haven't we've never really put up a bit Bitcoin link or a, a crypto link to support yeah, us. Yeah, we haven't actually. Um, That's a very
1: good point. Yeah, <laughs> and
2: we probably should do that. I think yeah. we've been team to for ages. But uh, there are also other platforms out there. I think Kofi is one that I've oh, I've heard another yeah. uh, pod- podcast is using now mm-hmm. as an alternative to uh, Patreon. But we're open to other suggestions. So mm. if if you have been wondering for a way to support the show. We're going to come up with some. We will come up with some, but also let us know. Like mm. we're we're on Telegram. Uh, we've we we rattle off our contact me- means of contact every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's something that you would like to do, and there's a
1: certain way you'd like to do it, let us know. We a couple of and and sorry, keep going. no, you you go. Well, two other things. One that I've completely forgotten until more recently. I've been so busy at work, I forgot. We're going to start doing some giveaways on the show. Um, I, I've been in touch with uh, Brendan, who's in our Telegram. Now we're going to organise some giveaways uh, on the show of these um, coin storage guru kits. So you basically split your, um, you know, you get that twelve word safe word. Was it? Mm. Was
2: it twelve words? twelve words. Yeah, recovery phrase. Those twelve yeah.
1: word phrases. He gives. He has this kit which is actually patented, where you split. You put two thirds of your um, twelve word f- seed across three cards and with any two cards, you can pair it up. So we're going to actually start giving some of those away. Now I haven't actually worked out. I've been so lazy. I haven't actually worked out how we're going to do the giveaways, but if you have any ideas or experience with giveaways or how, what you think we could do to give away, because I I reckon we're going to give away away 20 over the next, um, over the next few months Mm. um, to our listeners. Um, I haven't figured out what to do with that, but we're going to, we want to do more stuff like that giveaways and, and different bits and pieces just to, Two listeners, um, yeah, and then there's something else we want to do this year. So as far as growing the show, like Matt mentioned, video, we really want to do more video, and that's going to be something we're really excited for. But um, we've
2: already been playing around with some of the video yeah. tools
1: and, and kind of testing it out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. dipping the dipping the toes, yeah. You know, say. <laughs> but what we really want to be doing is interview. We're going to reach for the stars on interviews. Um, so. Yeah, quite literally reaching for stars. We've yep. got, we've started a list of the people that we want to be bringing on the show. Now, there are some huge names that we'll probably never get on the show. I mean, down the line, one of the girls is Elon Musk. Yeah. Never, ha- he will not have the time for us. Uh, not Not right. now. Yeah, but we're gonna that is there we will have Elon Musk on the show, and then the next episode we will close the Fomo show. (laughs) Um, Who are some of the other people that are on the list? Yeah, so we uh, we'd
2: love to interview Jack Recider from Darknet Diaries, great podcast. uh, Jeff Berwick from the Dollar Vigilante as well. He's one of the first people I ever listened to when I got into crypto. Wow, Um, and he's a Yeah, really interesting character. I know you want to interview Kim.com.
1: Absolutely. Big fan. Um, Yeah, of Kim.com fame. So Mm. he's – I really want to chat to him. And we want to talk to some of our favourite economists as well because there's a bunch of – you know, we want to talk to people who are looking at – there's – I was chatting to somebody the other day and there was a degree that you can do to do with like international development and it's strategic development, I think the degree was. But talking to like people who are actually really looking at these countries where people – we're investing in, chatting to whether it's uh, economists who have brilliant views on debt and stuff Mm. that we're interested in, whether it's people who are running projects, whether it's entrepreneurs.
2: Yeah, and even um, we'd love to chat to some notable people from emerging markets as well. Mm. I think uh, that's that's something that we would probably need the help of – our community, uh, to work out who would be good to chat to. But, yeah, places like India, Africa, mm. um, a number of those nations which are up and coming, and it'd be great to chat to some people that are involved in that process.
1: So maybe we need to do a, a submission part on our mm. website where you can be like request an interview, as in you submit somebody to be, be for an interview on the FOMO show. Yep. But also then that could go into our list. But then also maybe we should do a submit a link you know, yeah, send send your news across because a lot of people share really cool news with us. Yeah, we want to be able to stick that in the show.
2: Yeah, and look, the benefit of um, of us being able to outsource some of our more administrative and uh, editing processes means that we could potentially aim to have some more regular. Uh, episodes of the Mm, FOMO show mm, as well, mm. particularly with these interviews. Because Mm. uh, up until now, we've only been doing an interview about once every sixth or seventh episode. Mm. Uh, Most of our episodes have been more of like a show. yeah. It's a FOMO show, but we'll generally do a feature. There's a lot of work that goes into those features, just researching everything and making sure that we've got our information straight. Um, And that's great. But the great thing about interviews is that once – we have them locked in. It's generally quite easy to interview them, uh, package it all up, and then send it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we've been we've been toying with the idea of maybe doing like an alternating schedule where one week we have a show, the next week we just have an interview. Mm-hmm.
3: Um,
2: or, you know, it, d- it just depends on how many interviews we get and, and where we're at. But um, we definitely want to be chatting to, mm-hmm. to more people because every time we have had someone on this show, we felt that it's – given a lot of value and yeah. given us some really unique perspectives yeah. on, on what they're doing.
1: Yeah. So in summary, I guess what we want to be doing this year is we want to be, we're going to try and um, work out ways that we can get some more cash so that we can in like get some more free time so that we can spend more time investing in the show yeah. so that we can do more frequent shows. And that's basically what we're going to do. We're going to just do that. We want to keep growing the show. Love the show.
2: Yeah, we probably started a little bit ominously at the start of this. So it, it probably sounded a little bit like oh, we, were, we were <laughs> – Oh, but, but this is for, for both Joe and I, and I'm speaking for Joe here, um, I guess, without his permission, but uh, we love doing a show. And Absolutely. It is one of our favorite things. Mm. It's it's a it's a point of pride for both of us. We, uh, we both tell people all the time – well, I do anyway uh, – that – you know, we've, I've got a podcast and you should listen to it because it's great. Mm. Um, and so we're not going anywhere and, you know, we're committed to trying to make this thing better regardless mm. of, of how much money mm. we get in. But um, having a bit of funds coming in and having some p- support from, from your listeners uh, would really make a difference for us. Yeah.
1: yeah, absolutely. And
2: would help us give you a more awesome
1: product. Which, yes. For free. For free. <laughs> For free. <laughs> For free. <laughs> yeah. Nice. No, so, yeah, that's FOMO, and FOMO through to 2020 yeah. and beyond because, yeah. And just, just
2: seriously, reach out to us. Like, yeah. let us know your thoughts. If you think there's something that we should be doing or if you've got a connection to someone we should be interviewing and you want to help set it up, um, just let us know like we- and
1: while we're here i just want to give big shout out to everyone who's really ever stepped into our um our telegram channel i mean we've had we've got a bunch of people in here really cool yeah you guys reaching out absolutely means the world to us and ever since luke first reached out to us whoa, it it's like a month into doing the show yeah we actually did not realize that someone was actually listening so weird yeah so weird
2: Yeah, but seriously, if you've been along with us for the ride so far, thank you very much. Uh, We're not going anywhere. Absolutely Uh, not. We are extremely dedicated to making this thing Mm. even better than already is.
1: Yeah, we just need more time to just work on the show. Yeah. And not work on the...
2: If you could see our private chat between Joe and I, there is a laundry list of things that we've been wanting to do for a long time. <laughs> it's, um, yeah,
1: it's just built up to the point where we're just gonna we're gonna we're gonna one way or another we're getting people to help uh, to help out with the edit and all that. Yeah, uh, yeah, we're gonna yeah yeah yeah.
2: So if you want to be involved, um, we will we will start to have some ways that you can be involved.
1: If you're an audio editor, reach out to us yeah, and ask me your rates. Like yeah. I will pay
2: you, <laughs> but um, but yeah, reach out to us. Like we said, jump in Telegram. We're always happy to chat. Send us your feedback, and uh, just yeah, thanks so much, guys. Like it, it really does mean a lot to us uh, having you listening. We do not take you for granted, um, and uh, and yeah, we appreciate you.
1: So I got an instant message this week. Um, somebody yeah, sent eh? me a link. Uh, we hadn't. I haven't actually heard from Dan, Dan the ICO man, for quite a while, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I got sent this link, and it was to a YouTube link to a speech. Um, you got to hear this.
3: Thank you. They talk a big game, they make all sorts of promises, and what you get, none Well, then, Dan, Dan, the old man, is free again, and here, to bring you the representation you really want and need. And that's why
0: I'm going to give everyone what they most want.
3: My greatest project yet, my secret sauce, folks, and it's not just for paying customers anymore. It's for the American people. We're going to turn my presidency into the biggest ICO. First, we've got to get this thing going. We've got to get dead, dead, the ICO men, into the Oval Office for the Everyday American. You will get access to the precept for the Freedom Coin. Now, I hear what you're asking. You all want to know the details about this access to the Freedom Coin. Now, what I can tell you, I can't tell you everything. What I can tell you is it will give you exclusive benefits. It will give you special powers in the brand new government which Dan Daddy man will set up. But there will be even more once I get in So, tell your friends. Tell your mama and your papa and your
2: That, that that was rapturous, wow it sounds like he's striking a chord
1: He's going to give AOC a run for her money
2: do, do we have the potential for Dan, Dan the ICO man I mean I'm sure he's breaking a whole bunch of laws, but if he if he gets in as president, I guess he can just retroactively make all his actions okay Pardon
1: himself, job done there you go hmm. well, done I'll watch your space <laughs>
2: Do you know someone who might enjoy this? Please feel free to share it with them. You can find
1: us at FOMO.show.
2: You can jump on our Telegram at FOMO.show slash Telegram. You
1: can follow us on Twitter at the underscore FOMO underscore show.
2: And at YouTube at FOMO.show slash YouTube.
1: That's it for us here at the FOMO Show. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: If you like our show, please do feel free to subscribe in your podcast app of choice or via our YouTube channel. I'm Matt.
1: And I'm Joe.
2: And as always, remember,
1: no FOMO. So stoked with that theme tune as well. Like, yeah. it's a good set of notes,
2: yeah. It's a good sounding theme.
1: Um, and it's a Kickstarter project that is currently, yeah, on Kickstarter. <laughs> very, very self explanatory, there <laughs> Hot takes here on the phone. In other show. news, um, you <laughs> Water can is wet. <laughs> <laughs> and if from having an suv myself well, i think there's a lot to be said for being a bit higher up when you're driving around yep. so it's definitely an appealing choice for many and a lot of people don't really want to be you know, in a smaller car and they want to carry things around such as their their six children so yep. um so yeah perfect car for it
2: mm. you'd have to put one on the roof racks, though if you if you had six because i see seven
1: yeah. well you'd you obviously you're a single parent or in the bonnet <laughs> <laughs> <Obviously>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um. Yeah. What, what's, what's going on? Grupo <laughs> <there? laughs> <laughs> I love how love how Wikipedia spells out Japanese words, <laughs> and you can only read it in a hoarse voice.
2: <laughs> how else are you reading that?
1: Sufutobenko <laughs>
2: Grupo You you seem like some, <laughs> You need some like anime like soundtracks. Punching sounds, boop, boop, boop. <laughs> and then, like, a bunch of girls being like, ha And then, like, kabushiki <laughs> gaisha.
1: Sign up for this free trial, and somebody will be in touch with you. And I'm like, <laughs> Jog on <laughs> Yeah, exactly Yeah, or uh, we'll fill
2: out our web form Yeah it's like, i fill out your freaking web form Like will uh, tell you what d- d- Especially <laughs> pricing That's what really annoys me It's oh. like, someone doesn't show pricing on their website Yeah, yeah. I just click away mm. I'm like, if you're not going to tell me You know, if you want me to buy some product But you're not willing to tell me price You want me to fill out your web form So you can call me and try and sell me on, on my phone
1: Such a good point Yeah <gasps> right back going to work putting prices on all the pages
2: (laughs) (laughs) i'm beginning to think that a lot more will probably happen in our browsers than we even anticipate so like a lot of this vr stuff Mm -hmm. for example Mm -hmm. because you're talking again about the difficulty level and getting people on and making things easy if you're asking someone to install a whole new program to use your vr thing yeah. That's another barrier. Yep. Like that's another way yep. that it, you make you're making things more difficult. If you just say to them go to this website, like open up the website, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all of a sudden they're in your VR world and someone's right in front of them talking to them and saying, "Hey, what's your name?" And you're like, "Uh, you type in Matt." And they're like, "Hi Matt, how are you doing? Let me show you around the world." And they just start and mm-hmm. and then and then you don't move and they're like, "Follow me, press W." And you're like, "Oh, You press W and all of a sudden you're moving and you're in the VR world. You know, like that's – and that's possible now. Like you can run that kind of level of stuff in a browser now. Um, I just – I mean that's so much less of a barrier to entry than having a separate program. Mm. Same thing, I I think I I can almost guarantee you're going to see this from Amazon very soon because they're working very hard on making VR mm. shops and VR marketplaces. Wow. I yeah. can I can nearly guarantee you that in a few years time, or maybe even a year or two's time, you'll go on Amazon and they'll say, "We've got a new marketplace for you." They won't they may not even say it's VR. They'll just mm. say, "Do you want the enhanced experience? Yeah. Amazon experience," right? Beta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll click on that and and all of a sudden the browser, like the traditional Amazon web page will fade away and you'll be in Amazon World. Mm. You know? And mm. it'll be like, What what are you interested in? And you'll be like, I'm interested in clothes. Or it might even go, based on your buying habits, we think you'll be interested in these stores. Yeah. yeah and yeah. those stores will just appear in front of you. You'll open the door, there's your there's a whole bunch of clothes you might like and and it'll say, You want to try this on? do you want to try that on mm.
1: Mm. or it's going to like we'll check out the latest in gaming you sort of click there and it launches you into this hyperspace and then there's like planets of do you like hardware or the newest games and you can see like stuff via like samples of those games yeah. playing in the background and this yeah. massive it's gonna be awesome yeah it's gonna yeah. be awesome what if you have a character within a character right so we have Nikolai our character Nikolai, yeah. he hacks the fun of a Rothschild. Oh, and he calls us every week. And he's like, "Look at the recording I have found. I have found. <gasps> I hack the fun of, of the Rothschild, and I finally talk about the banking. Uh, look at this. Uh, this this current week, Theresa a May. <laughs> <laughs> she never wants Brexit, and now she lead the Brexit. And now there's no way we'll have Brexit. <laughs> I better
2: call the Russians.
1: You better call the Russian. Oh, mate. We'll get there.
2: You need internet. You need plenty of decent internet, though, to be able to do What <laughs> do it you mean
3: video. decent internet? I have great internet. <laughs> <laughs> uh.